Ladies and gentlemen, this is Paused Reviews. Welcome, welcome, one and all, to another installment of your favorite podcast, The Pause Reviews Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Frank, joined by my co-host, Tim. Welcome, Tim. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited, I think, maybe. <laughs> that I'll be honest, that pretty much sums it up. So we talked about last week and the weeks leading up. So this episode is airing on July 2nd, which is the Thursday before we celebrate our independence day the 4th of july and ironically it's also the same day that the poo hits the fan in the film independence day july 2nd yeah so we thought what better way to celebrate the 4th than with an episode talking about independence day yeah i feel like we kind of hit this one square on without hitting it square on if that makes sense so instead of going not like, even you know, a little tim right <laughs> so, well i mean instead of going with like you know some kind of you know the patriot or something uber uh, like you know we we, we went uh kind of a different style of independence day I if guess, anything right? we just went more on the nose it's like googling what do you watch on right. independence day oh yeah this one it's literally what it's called right. so funny thing about that now i was on the fence about doing the patriot but we had talked a little bit about the patriot in a previous episode also yeah. if you want to man just make it a whole roland emmerich uh, weekend because guess who also directed the patriot Roland Emmerich. No. Yes, wow. sir. So go. directed well, and, Patriot and Independence Day, but also wrote Independence Day. So, But he didn't write The Patriot. Well, I was sitting here going, you know, they have all those ensemble movies. You know, there's Valentine's Day and New Year's Eve. <laughs> they, they really should have one, you know, called Independence Day. And Carissa looks at me and she goes, we're watching Independence Day. And it just so kind of happens to be an ensemble movie. And I was like, oh. All I can think yeah. of is, can you imagine like a trailer where it's, you know, hey, the uh, the Warner Brothers collection, you know, for each holiday. And it's, you know, maybe it's Love Actually, New Year's Day, Mother's right. Day, Valentine's Day, Independence Day, aliens attacking everybody. <laughs> oh, that'd be so good. Yeah. Uh, no. Not, yeah. No. Not the same. Not, not even slightly. <laughs> well, this week we're just gonna kind of jump into this one. I'll be honest, you know, I was I was ready, ready, ready for this episode, but definitely surprised to find that I am not ready to talk about this film. We've been really lucky so far yeah. in in reviewing movies that are either crazy, crazy good or have a lot of depth to them. And even movies that we thought were going to be very surface level ended up having just like a whole nother side to it that maybe mm -hmm. we didn't realize before and we were able to dive into that. Independence Day doesn't have that. This movie is all surface. And yes, there's themes and stuff that we could kind of get into, but... It's it just sort of is what it is. So we're gonna take a slightly different stand on this. So we we watched Independence Day, but I believe we both also watched the, the sequel <laughs> that came out yep. twenty years later in twenty sixteen, Independence Day Resurgence. We'll talk a little bit about Resurgence, but it's really gonna be mostly to sort of justify our stances on things with Independence Day. 
Yeah. Spoiler alert, Resurgence is a turd. But, you know, but we'll get into that. So we ask for you guys to be a little bit patient with us, mainly just because I think we're going to try something a little bit differently here. So uh, first things first, (laughs) (laughs) this movie came out in 1996, guys. Uh, Spoiler alert. Yep. <laughs> we're going to talk about this movie and uh, and we're going to spoil some stuff. So if you haven't somehow seen this, go check it out, come back and then listen to it later. Otherwise, you have been warned. I, I literally feel like this movie is on TV 24/7. Like there is some right. kind of rule that this is on some channel somewhere. So like if you have cut cable, then maybe you get a pass, but this movie's everywhere. It's been everywhere where for 20 years uh, it yeah, you've seen this movie. <laughs> well, I mean, and I, so I don't have cable. I have YouTube TV. YouTube TV for the man who has everything. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but uh, it's, and I'm actually, and come to think of it, I'm sure it's probably there. But I own this movie, like 12, I own the VHS. I own a DVD. <laughs> I own a Blu-ray. And I own it digitally. And there's and there's a reason for that. And to be fair, we say all this, and yet my wife has never seen this movie until Friday night. Wait, What? <laughs> no 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 that's not real it's 100 real my friend i had the same reaction i was like no no you've seen this movie she's like no i've never seen this movie i was like i've watched this movie a, probably a thousand times since we've been married and we've been married for four years we've been living together for just slightly longer than that for about five years you've seen this movie and she's like no i've never seen this movie tim I genuinely don't think I've ever met anyone who hasn't seen this movie. Right? <laughs> That's amazing. Mm-hmm. I bet her parents have seen this movie. Uh, probably. That's wild. Oh my gosh. All right. Well, I don't know how we recover from that, but here we go. Okay. So Independence Day and Independence Day Resurgence. We'll kind of I'm going to run through the in opening facts for each of, for both of them at first and then we'll kind of dive into Independence Day with a few sprinkles towards the end of Resurgence. Independence Day. Where can you watch it? Actually, both of these, uh, you can rent them anywhere you get movies. Three ninety nine to rent, uh, maybe twelve ninety nine or so to to buy. Uh, I think I got I rented Resurgence and only paid one ninety nine. So that might be on on sale or I don't know. Maybe I had a credit. I can't say. And I do all my movie renting through Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime Video for the man who has everything. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, so. <laughs> Um, so you can rent them anywhere you want, but Tim, you actually watched both of these for free on Xfinity On Demand. Is that correct? I watched Resurgence for free on Xfinity On Demand. I think I watched, uh, I watched the first one through you. Now I will say Xfinity On Demand, they are going to be the made for TV version or not made for TV versions, but the TV edited version. So you might get some, some language changes there. I think there were some language moments. Yeah. I think there were some moments in Resurgence where, I mean, the dialogue was terrible as it was, so it probably didn't make that much of a difference. True. But, but uh, I, there might have been some moments. Um, I, I would have noticed it more in, in Independence Day, probably. Not that that's got a ton of language in it, but it's got moments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for me, too, sometimes they're like edited for time, and that drives yeah. me crazy, too. I can't I can't do television edits of movies. It no. drives me nuts. Yeah. Um, okay, so just rent them. You know, honestly, if you don't own Independence Day, 
I don't know. You must be Tim's wife because <laughs> everybody else does. Um, all right. So Independence Day, like I said, released in 1996, directed by Roland Emmerich. Roland Emmerich, in case you don't know, he directed movies like Universal Soldier, Stargate, Godzilla, the one with Matthew Broderick. Like I said, he directed The Patriot, Day After Tomorrow, 2012, White House Down. I guess he couldn't land. Olympus has fallen. Yeah, Olympus has yeah. fallen. That was one of those ones where it was kind of like Dante's Peak and Volcano, and but yeah. then it was Olympus has fallen and White House Down, which was the Channing Tatum yep. version. Yep. So you can kind of see a bit of a of a trend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Independence Day was written by Roland Emmerich and Dean Devlin. Roland Emmerich also wrote a lot of the movies that he's directed, so Stargate, Godzilla, Day After Tomorrow, etc. Also, Resurgence. <laughs> he wrote and directed Independence Day Resurgence. Dean Devlin has worked on Universal Soldier, Stargate, and Geostorm was probably his most recent. And you, you know. loved Geostorm, right? Who did? What? You did. Did I? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Get out of here. Tim, what the heck? You know, I did see it, though, and and I want to say uh, it was not good, but yeah, I want to say that it was- specifically telling me it was terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, but I also, like, again, like a surface-level disaster-type mm-hmm. movie, you know, whatever. It scratched the itch, but yeah, it is sure. it is not a good movie. And I'll pretty much watch anything with Gerard Butler, which is probably why I watched that one. So (laughs) moving back on. um, So Independence Day, it stars everyone that you know. Will Smith, Jeff Goldblum, Bill Pullman, Vivica A. Fox, Robert Loja, Randy Quaid. um, The list goes on and on. Judd Hirsch, et cetera, et cetera. Now, Independence Day was made for a budget of $75 million, and it grossed $817.4 million. This movie almost hit the billion mark. It was a massive, massive success. And it's kind of hard to believe that it took 20 years for us to get the sequel. I think they struggled a lot with story. (laughs) That obviously didn't change in 20 years. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and I think Will Smith, too, was... uh, he was kind of in and out from time to time, and, and they were kind of waiting things out. But it took 20 years to get the sequel, which is surprising when the movie did that well. Which also kind of speaks to a different time. You know, like in the mid-90s, we were getting, you know, one-offs. And, and all these sequels and stuff were just starting to kind of ramp up. You know, now, if you make, you know, a 700% return on investment... You're, I mean, you're green light before opening weekend is even over. So yeah. it's interesting how that played out. Yeah, there's, I don't know. I feel like there's got to be a shelf life maybe somewhere. I've just, I've been let down a lot by these longer, uh, longer layoffs between sequels. And I just, I'm starting to feel that like, that should just be a red flag to begin with. You're going to wait that long. I, I think like Anchorman was another one waited like then that one finally came out and that was disappointing and it was just like super troopers 2 same thing it's just like dude super troopers 2 is a part i loved super troopers and i think i bought super troopers 2 i think i even chipped in on the kickstarter like Mm, i was so excited and i and deep down in my pit i knew from from the start that it was like this is just not going to be as good yeah yeah it's just something about that shelf life it's like i i and i'm sure there's an example out there somebody will throw something out us that, that that will discredit that but that is a long time uh, to struggle with a sequel and then come up with what they did was is just 
bad. I mean, there's always exceptions to the rule, right? And I mean, Rocky mm-hmm. is brilliant. Rocky mm-hmm. two, not so good, but then Rocky four, amazing. You know, and then Creed. Creed is incredible you know not to just harp on that but that's just one that's had like this long run with lots of ups and downs and as we'll mention actually we won't mention it but resurgence it's interesting because it absolutely ends with a huge look forward to oh we're gonna make another one why not yeah but that may have changed considering so looking at the numbers from resurgence like i said 20 years later 2016 same director same team of writers except they added three others right so it was dean devlin roland emmerich and three others for five total credited writers and that's never a good sign no um this one had so resurgence was double the budget but made less than half the money so resurgence was made for a buck 65 165 million and it only grossed 389 million. So a massive, massive failure. It stars Liam's Hem- Liam Hemsworth uh, and then brings back Jeff Goldblum, Bill Pullman, Judd Hirsch, Brent Spiner, which I don't know how Vivica A. Fox makes a little bit of a cameo. Obviously, notably missing is Will Smith. And then they bring in new folks to play people who did appear in the first one, right? So uh, Micah Monroe plays Patricia Whitmore, the daughter of Bill Pullman in the film, mm-hmm. who was originally played by Mae Whitman, who is a major actress. She's been in a lot yeah. of stuff. Yep. I don't know if they just decided to go a different way or she didn't want to be a part of it either, but they could have had her and, and yep. didn't. And then uh, yep. Jesse T. Usher takes over as Dylan uh, Hiller in this, who played Vivica Fox's son and eventually, I guess, Will Smith's stepson in the movie. He was originally played by Ross Bagley, but he he retired as a child actor, so it makes sense that he wouldn't be in it. But again, you know, this movie struggled to bring some folks back and and just struggled to make any money. And and there's a big reason why. It's it's, it's a big tell as to what to expect from these two. Yeah, and the more I think about it, like, as many times as I've seen Independence Day, I don't know that I've ever once thought, oh, I really wish there was more of this. Or I really wish there was a sequel to this. I don't know that I've ever had that thought. Yeah, that's a really good observation because I, I think even even too, even in the moment, it didn't even cross my mind of I want another one. It crossed my mind I want to own it and I want to watch it every year, but yeah. not that I needed to see more of it. Yeah. And I'm wondering yeah. too, I, I genuinely, I genuinely have no recollection of how I felt when I heard that this sequel was coming out. I don't remember it really coming out. I mean, obviously I do, but like I remember feeling nothing, expecting nothing, knowing it was going to be awful and, and just kind of wishing they wouldn't. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I honestly don't know anybody who, who, when they announced this was excited. No, I think my, my, my thought probably was, Oh, Will Smith's going to be in it. Cause yeah, I'll see a Will Smith movie. Right. No. And then no. he wasn't. Nope. nope. I mean, I do love me some Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, but, I do too. But I, that dude cannot carry a sequel, which no. that's the other thing. You know, they did it with Jurassic Park. They've done it with a whole bunch of stuff. And why haven't you learned your lesson? Yeah. So, yeah. anyways, all right, brief synopsis. If you haven't seen this movie, so Tim's wife, here's the brief synopsis <laughs> of the movie. For Independence Day, aliens come to Earth. There's really no rhyme, reason, 
nothing behind it, which I really love. They just mm-hmm. kind of show up and the earth has to figure out a way to repel this invasion. And they do so on the backs of uh, Jeff Goldblum, who is this brilliant MIT brain working as a, I don't know, director of some kind of a cable company or something. Or as his father says in the movie, a cable repairman. <laughs> I mean, their relationship, whatever, we're going to get to this. It's such a, it's, it is a good movie. And then Will Smith, who plays a uh, Marine Corps pilot. And, and there's a whole ensemble cast we listed, and they kind of rise up to combat this alien invasion. And it's brilliant. Resurgence <laughs> is awful. In Resurgence, it is the basically children, I guess, of the folks in the first one. The aliens come for revenge, and now the kids have to rise up against them, and it's as bad as you think. We'll kind of dive into a few details here and there, uh, but before we get into anything, we're going to shift now and really focus on Independence Day from 1996. Some trivia, some fun facts, the stuff that we do. Believe it or not, Independence Day was nominated for two Academy Awards, and it won one. It was nominated for Best Visual Effects and Best Sound, and it took home the prize for Best Visual Effects. So, you know, and and this this is pretty key because Independence Day also holds the record for most miniature model work to be used in a single film. In fact, a lot of folks estimate that more miniatures were used on this film than any two films combined. So you take any two films in the history of filmmaking that used miniatures, and this movie used more than both of them combined. That is a ton. It blows my mind because when you think, when I think of miniatures, I think of New Hope. Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Yeah, right. I mean, that is nuts. It is absolutely astronomical now here's the thing when i was watching independence day we talked a little bit about this as we were getting set up tim Mm -hmm. but when i was watching independence day one of my first notes was wow these graphics these effects they really hold up and my brain immediately was like the cgi still looks so good with a few noticeable exceptions right there's some garbage pale scenes um most famously the scene where that dog is leaping into the tunnel closet with vivica a fox uh, or Jasmine yeah. is her character and her son Dylan. Um, I mean, that scene bothers me for a lot of reasons. Like, bad graphics aside, even when I was a kid, so there's a. <laughs> the aliens shoot down this missile in the major cities New yep. York, DC, LA, and, and other major cities around the world. They've, they've hovered over, by the way, they've hovered over precise locations of like key landmarks, right? These aliens who have come from the far reaches of the galaxy know to hover like right over the Empire State Building, yeah. right over the White House, right over that crazy tall building in LA, like that what famous that one. Oh, I forget what I used to know what it is. It's the one with that like star shaped helipad on top. Okay, because my wife is from California, and admittedly, she has not spent that much time in L.A., but she's spent time in L.A., and she couldn't tell me what that building was. And I was like, why is this, like, the only unrecognizable building in this movie? I feel like I used to know what that building is, and now I don't. But I guess my thing is, is, like, apparently these aliens not only know where our major cities are, but, and you could make the argument, like, they're going to, like, the most consumption or, like, if they're feeding off electrical stuff or whatever. Oh, well, they've been scoping us out since at least the 50s from what we find out in the movie. So Yeah, you know, yeah, with they, the Roswell crash is yeah, part of so this. 
you know, if they if they are world destroyers, it's a good strategy. You just take out all the population centers and work from there. It makes sense. I mean, I guess, yeah. But and then it's you know, but it's not like these landmarks are dead city center. So right. you know, not only are they going to the right cities, but they're going to like the buildings that will let us know that it's right. this city. You know, and if you're going by tall, like why wouldn't it be like the Washington Monument or you know what I'm saying? Like it's the yeah. White House or whatever. Right. Okay. Although that'd be great now. So, <laughs> <laughs> so these aliens hover over these major cities. Vivica A. Fox is, I guess she's in LA, right? Yeah. She's in LA. Yeah. And so they shoot down their little laser thing and it blows up the building and then sends these like sprawling fireballs in this massive diameter consuming the city. So as this is happening, Vivica A. Fox and her son and their dog are sitting in their car in this tunnel and they get out of the car. They start running. Everyone's running for their lives. She dives into this maintenance closet, calls the dog in, and as the flame goes by, dude, it looks so bad, right? So yeah. stuff like that aside. Now, but what really bothers me is she lives. She lives. When she emerges from what used to be a closet, not even the tunnel has survived. Like nope. everything's in ashes. She, her son, and the dog are completely unscathed. And the door never closed. They never even closed the door, Tim. They never even closed the door. They sat in this hole and just closed their eyes and wished for the best. And it worked out. Okay, so that aside, um, you know, so moments like that. But the CGI in this movie looks fantastic. And the reason is, is it's not CGI, right? So learning this about the movie made a ton of sense, especially now when films rely so heavily on CGI. And they and they really started to in that period as well. This was sort of an anomaly, you know, Mm -hmm. it's so expensive to have. I mean, as much as CGI costs, like to build out all these miniatures and to blow them up and to do all this stuff is crazy it's a huge investment but wow what a payoff because if you watch this movie today the practical effects look fantastic the ships look real the fire is real it is it's amazing it's it's truly amazing yeah i i had that same exact thought and i think for a second i was like oh right because they did a lot of miniature work and then i kind of forgot about that again until you reminded me and i do remember now some I don't know if it was like a featurette or something I saw somewhere sometime about prop building. Did a, <laughs> they did they did something on this movie about that. And, you know, like you said, you really have one take with a lot of this stuff. You really right. got to get it right because they didn't build multiples of the White oh, House. Oh, Tim, multiples, you they know? did. Tim, they built, I don't mean, I don't know specifically about that, but they built more miniatures than any two films in history combined, Tim. So the answer is yes. They had multiple White Houses. White Houses? White High? White Houses? developments no but it's 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 absolutely true now they are saying too because so many films are so cgi heavy now that this record will stand forever no one will ever break this it's so funny like the the smallest thing you don't think about ends up being the first thing you notice and when you watch this movie you cannot escape how good it still looks well and then you juxtapose that with resurgence which is just a video game level (sighs) cgi diarrhea so yeah it's a different feel completely for the movie 
Right. So. so here's what we're going to do differently, right? This movie, we're going to talk a little bit, and we obviously we've already kind of started. We're going to talk about things that are good, talk about things that are bad, but in a very specific context, right? Here's the thing. Independence Day is universally beloved. I mean, this movie is, if you ask anybody who's seen it, I feel like you would be hard-pressed to find someone who doesn't like it. Now, this movie wasn't really well-received by critics, Although sort of the resounding thought was this movie is no good, but it delivers the exact punch that you want a summer blockbuster to give you. And so if that's what you want, you're going to get it. And of course, all of us going to see this movie in 1996, that's what we wanted. So our memories of this are nothing but positive. Now, watching this as an adult with a critical eye for this, for the purposes of this podcast, I found very interesting. So we're not going to dive too deep into specific scenes and and things like that we're going to talk about a few and illustrate it but you know this movie you know this movie inside and out and unlike a lot of the other films that we talked about in the past the real truth is there's no flip side to this coin this movie is what it is and it it's exactly what it says it is it's nothing more and nothing less and so there's really no need for us to try to manufacture some kind of you know i mean yeah. like, it's just fine like we watched birdcage and it's just there's this whole undertone that is worth digest or you know dissecting and diving deeper yep. into and that's not here and that's yeah. okay so instead the real question i had was as i'm watching this movie critically and I'm going to say some things that are that are going to be unpopular for a second, but I, <laughs> I just ask that you be patient and hear me out. The truth is, is that as I watch this movie critically, I realized very quickly that on the surface, it really isn't very good. And, and the critics are right in that, in that regard. I mean, if we're honest with ourselves, the story is busy and chaotic to say the least. The bulk of the acting is abhorrent. The dialogue is nothing but a string of just cheesy, awful one-liners that no one would ever say. You know, we talked about this a little bit too. You know, Roland Emmerich seems to write like, you know, he just writes in a way that no one talks that way. I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's a language barrier. You know, Roland Emmerich is German-born. He's a German director. So maybe he just thinks this is how people talk. I don't know. (laughs) You know, so that being said, I found myself like halfway through this movie asking, you know, why do I like this movie so much? And the more I thought about it, I realized I wasn't saying, why did I like this movie? I was saying, why do I like this movie so much? Mm -hmm. Like present tense. I love this movie. And that's the question that I really want to dive into in this episode, because despite everything working against it, I love Independence Day. Now, the same can certainly not be said for Independence Day Resurgence. That movie is a complete piece of trash. Uh, It was like being forced to watch a horse perform an appendectomy on my mother while a small but powerful monkey kicked me repeatedly in the (laughs) testes and like an enraged rhinoceros released a jet-propulsed stream of hot, thick urine directly into my open eyes. But in general, I mean, that's that's sort of so that was what struck me is I love this movie, even though it's not that good if you really think about it. So I want to dive into that a little bit. But before we do, Tim, what was your overall take on mainly Independence Day? But if you want to slip in a little blurb about Resurgence, (laughs) you're more than welcome. That movie sucks. (laughs) So I think what it comes down to and I'm going to admit that. I kind of forgot 
to watch this with a critical eye. It was kind of yeah. like when I was done, I was like, oh, I should have been really attacking this movie more, like just critically thinking about it. But to me, it's comfort food, right? 100%. And it's not it's not a guilty pleasure. It's not something you'd be like, oh, I know this movie's so bad, but I love it. It. I would generally be like, oh, man, you haven't seen it? Go watch this movie. It's awesome. Right. It's, it's comfort food. It's like an Elio's pizza. Elio's pizza is garbage pizza. But I love an Elio's pizza. But if I would sit down and have that versus like the best New York slice of pizza, it's going to be garbage. But I still love Elio's and I'm going to like woof down a whole box when I just want some Elio's pizza and I'm going to feel right. good about it. And that's how it is with this movie. It's like it, it is just one of those movies that, oh, hey, it's on. There's nothing else right now. I, I can tune in. I know exactly where we are. It's got some moments here and there that I like, you know, that that I, that are are fun yes randy quaid is wacky but he's at his best when he is terrible and wacky like when you know when he's cousin eddie like that is when he now is that's great, a special you know? <laughs> that is a special character but yeah right. you're absolutely right but so it's this movie is just that it is comfort food and if you really want to delve into it it is not a delicacy but it still makes me feel good when i watch it as for the other one, oh, I've eaten. I, what you said is just so brilliantly amazing. I mean, yeah. there's just no, it's, no. Yeah, we don't even need to dwell on it, Tim. But you yeah. and you're absolutely right. Here, the thing about Independence Day is, it's it's that old, it's that lifelong friend, right? That you've always yeah. had, and you might fall out of touch, and it might be years since you've talked. But the second you pick up the phone, it's as if zero time has passed. They are reliable. It is, you know, exactly what you expect every single time without fail. This movie, this movie makes no promises that it doesn't intend to keep. It doesn't yeah. stand on any airs. It's not saying it's anything more or less than what it is. And therefore, every time you go in to watch it, regardless of whether you put on a critical eye or not, it's impossible to be upset because you are not disappointed right? Mm -hmm. It didn't fail to give you something it promised and it didn't try to give you something it shouldn't. It just was. And what it was, was perfect for what it was. Yeah. Um, so, you know, again, just to circle back to the question of why do I still love it besides all the reasons I just gave, you know, I've been thinking about that question a lot and the obvious answer, like you were talking comfort food immediately implies that nostalgia effect right yeah. and i was watching this with my wife and she's seen it and i and i was watching with a critical eye and her, her first response is i'm taking notes she's like what are you writing and i was like oh well this wasn't that good or this was kind of dumb or whatever she's like you're so ridiculous this movie's fantastic i love this movie and i was like i do too she's like well why couldn't you write that stuff and it's like because it doesn't make it less true but again right. then that's really what sparked that question and she said well it's because you loved it when you were a kid and that's the obvious answer, but I don't think that's true. Um, but before we dive into that, just for the sake of argument, Tim, do you remember watching this for the first time? Like, do you remember how old you were? Was it when it first came out? Do you remember how you felt when you watched Independence Day for the first time? I don't know if I can answer that. I, I remember, we've talked about it briefly before, that like aliens were the zombies of the 90s right that's right. where we were in the 90s was with aliens men in black you know was after this and i think what 98 maybe mm -hmm. um 
you know, the, the Alien franchise for, you know, years leading up to this. Like, Aliens were kind of where we were at at this time. And I had a thing for Aliens. Aliens terrified me. You know, Unsolved Mysteries and all that kind of stuff. I Aliens, I had this, like, morbid the definition of morbid curiosity with with aliens like i was convinced that aliens were you know like looking in my window at night i'd definitely slept with my head covered like if i was tim i'm gonna have to stop you there buddy yeah let's let's fast forward yeah (laughs) i i gotta it's a dark basement man (laughs) and uh (laughs) and it's making things pucker so you know i that so this i don't know that i would have seen this in 96 because i would have been 11 and i think that was right at the time where i was like no like this is uh way way too scary the trailer for men in black scared the crap out of me so i'm sure i didn't see this in the theaters um so i don't know when i actually saw this that's really interesting i i remember the summer where this movie came out vividly Right. So if you were 11, I was an 84 baby. So I was 12 when this came out. I'm, I, I, you know, and let's see, 96, I was, I was getting ready to go into the seventh grade, maybe getting ready to go into seventh grade, sixth or seventh grade. I don't know. But I remember very clearly I was in middle school. I remember this movie came out. It was literally the only thing that anyone was talking about. That's the first memory I have. I hadn't wow. seen it yet. You know, we didn't have a ton of money growing up. And so, you know, going to the movies and stuff like that wasn't really something that we did very often. It was a lot of like WDCA 20 and like whatever was on TV. So, you know, I grew up with a lot of like, you know, nine to five, you know, Mr. (laughs) Mom, like whatever was in like, you know, rotation on the broadcast stations. Yeah. But I remember everyone talking about this movie and begging my mom to let me go see it. And she did. Right. So, I mean, everyone was raving about it. This was probably the first, this was... One of the first movies that I probably got to go see by myself or with friends. And uh, that was another, my mom was very strict. That was not an option. <laughs> and then, uh, but it was also one of the first movies that I saw more than once. I'm pretty sure I saw this movie like four times in theaters and I couldn't get enough. I remember, I remember vividly the scenes like when Will Smith brings down the alien ship after after jimmy dies right so the president orders an attack on the alien ship that's outside of la and will smith captain hiller his best buddy jimmy played by harry connick jr and a bunch of other fighters go out to attack this ship find out they have a bunch of shields and all these little alien fighters come out huge dogfight scene pretty much everybody dies including like in goose not quite goose level fashion you know but it's kind of it's meant to be on that par his best friend dies in the course of everything and will smith manages to bring this alien ship down he opens up the alien pod and that's the first real look that we get at the creature it's pitch black dark there's smoke and steam coming out and then these tentacles and this weird skull face emerge from the darkness making that like you know that noise that it makes and will smith just punches it in the face welcome to earth and you know but and (laughs) that's also what i remember kids running around the streets like welcome to earth and doing like punch and i'm just like what is going on (laughs) but that scene never got old but the first time i saw it it made a little doo-doo come out like i was it was it was awesome, you know, but I saw this movie countless times 
Everyone saw this. Everyone was quoting it. And as far as me and all my friends were concerned, this was the greatest movie that had ever been made. And oftentimes, this is the kind of first experience with a movie that stays with you and influences your opinions for the rest of your life, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, usually it's a movie that you loved as a kid, but when you watch it now as an adult, it doesn't quite hold up. And that's that's when that nostalgia effect usually kicks in and is enough, just enough, to take a movie that was earth-shatteringly amazing as a child and root it firmly into the guilty pleasure sector of your adult brain when you when you watch it and realize this movie's really not that good. And that's sure. kind of what you were talking about, right? Yep. So while this idea has been rolling around in my brain for the past couple of days, it still isn't quite right because this movie, even on this most recent watch didn't feel like a guilty pleasure. It still just felt like I loved it. Mm -hmm. And I think what I discovered is that the reasons are pretty simple. The first is the story. At first glance, it's chaotic, it's busy, and it's riddled with things that make no sense. I kind of talked about that a little bit at the beginning, right? There are tons of extra scenes in this movie. You know, just stuff that just should have been on the cutting room floor. I mean, this movie clocks in at just under two and a half hours, which Mm -hmm. for 1996 is a long movie. Yeah, I absolutely thought that when I started. I was like, two hours? Yeah, what, like what, 224, 226. Yeah, yeah, I was like, that is epically long for 20 years ago, for sure. Right, like the average movie back then was like 90-odd minutes, right? Maybe yeah. 98 minutes, you know, whatever. So there's a lot of scenes in this. For example, the strip club scene with Vivica A. Fox. Mm-hmm. Um, this whole scene exists basically to introduce one of her stripper friends who dies later on, right? So she works right. in a club in L.A. Her friend wants to go to this tower where the the building we talked about, where the alien ship is parked. Yep. And she wants to go with the sign that she made, blah, blah, blah. And Vivica A. Fox is like, no, please don't go. And she, this whole character exists so that when we see that building blow up, I guess we care a little but why? I don't care about her. She never nope. again asks about her friend. She doesn't follow up with her. She never even thinks about her. She never crosses her mind again. This mm-hmm. character is meaningless. The whole scene is meaningless. And in fact, again, with a critical eye, it just feels like complete nonsense. Like, who in the world, right? There are aliens outside. I get it. You're a stripper. You got to work. That's how you get your money. And God bless you. There are aliens outside. You're boyfriend, soon-to-be fiancé, soon-to-be husband, all within 20 minutes, has asked you to join him on base where he can can stay sheltered in a safe place and all kinds of stuff, bring your kid. You go to pick up a paycheck, and then you end up stripping for however long? Like, first of all, the kid is where, I guess, just hanging out. Again, aliens right outside. This whole scene just doesn't need to happen. The The friend is a character that we don't need. So, yep. again, I don't know. We watch other buildings and other things blow up. We get the gravity of it because, you know, we have emotional ties to the cities. I don't need to be emotionally invested in some random character. Maybe it's because nobody knows what that building is. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, no, no one's going to care about L.A. blowing up unless we put this stripper on the building. <laughs> That's so 
much. That's funny. That could very much be it. Um, well, you know what else? There's and there's a lot of moments where you can see cuts were made, but not enough, right? So so Randy Quaid plays a former fighter pilot from Vietnam who was abducted by aliens at some point in his life. And ever since, you know, be it PTSD from the war or PTSD from being abducted by aliens, he's been an alcoholic and and just a complete mess since then. He's been working as a as a crop duster for whoever knows how long. He seems to be the single father of three kids, you know, like teenage kids. And things aren't going great for him. But there's a couple of scenes where one of his kids keeps getting sick. Yeah. Right. He pulls over and needs to puke. And I'm thinking, okay, maybe it's just sort of the the creep factor of everything that's going on. And then there's another random scene where he's talking to one of his kids and he's like back there, you know, like caring for his son who's like it looks like he's dying in the bed. Yeah. And then the next time we see the kids, they're all fine. And healthy right. and, and legit. And it's like, you know, my Alyssa was my wife. She was like, you know, well, it shows that he's really a caring father. I mean, well, we get that when he shows up and sobers up and, you know, wants yeah. to get his kids out of there. I don't need these moments. And these are just examples of a muddy story and a muddy script that there's there's some threads that we don't need there's threads that go nowhere there's there's sure. just stuff that you there's just fluff and it ends up again when you're watching it critically it ends up being a little bit distracting yeah yeah now all that being said about the story it's also perfectly structured it hits all the exact right notes and delivers on every promise that you expect from a classic three act film structure gives you every point of conflict every moment where the situation becomes more and more dire and our mm-hmm. heroes are further and further away from achieving their goal and and winning and it's and it feels so real that they're going to lose but yet deep down inside you know they're going to win and so you're just excited to see that moment when they pull out that victory right it gives you everything and exactly like you said tim that's the comfort food yeah it feels good and it feels like it should yeah it is aptly independence day right because it's the revolutionary war all over again right it's it's the underdogs who are outmanned outgunned out maneuvered out everything and they're down to their last strike and they're gonna pull it out it just feels the stakes feel very real in this and believable to a point i mean i think for me the focus on this movie has always been the technology and not really the aliens themselves they they always point out that the aliens are not that dissimilar from us they say they're they're mm-hmm. just as fragile have similar uh reactions to heat and you know cold and same oxygen intake and whatnot so it's always been about the the technology and it just everything to me, if the world was going to be invaded by aliens, this is how it's going to get done. Oh, to this day. Yeah, <laughs> this is no, how it's going to get and, done. And that's such a good point. And again, that sort of speaks to a positive part of the story, right? Again, while it's yeah. busy and convoluted or whatever, and there's a lot of plot or there's a lot of plot lines to follow, it's still surprisingly well developed and and one way in particular, right? It it feels it almost feels very realistic. Yeah. The way the aliens arrive, there's really no explanation as to why. We're just next. 
right? Mm-hmm. And there doesn't need to be a rhyme or a reason. Even with the whole Roswell thing, you, you find out that the Roswell crash in, in 51 or whenever that was, it's the same aliens. It's it's the same craft. But it's, you know, they don't arrive here for like revenge or, or anything like that. It, it just very much feels like they're they're just hopping, harvesting, destroying planets, and then moving on about their way. We just happen yep. to be next, and so that just the way they arrive, the way they attack, the way we respond, it all makes sense. And then with that third act resolution, so throughout the whole film, we try everything that you expect, right? We we try to make communication, blast those choppers out of the water or out of the out of the sky. <laughs> you got bigger problems if you're trying to fly choppers through the water. And That's then uh, you know, so then we send in fighter pilots. They're all decimated. Then we try to nuke it. Doesn't work. You know, on and on. And and then and it all builds up to this moment where they come up with a computer virus that they're gonna send through the same signal that they're using to coordinate. You know, by hijacking our satellites, they're coordinating with each other to coordinate this attack and so we're going to use that same signal against them implant a virus knock down their shields bring down the mothership kill all the little minions and it all makes sense but then even that you get that that right before the resolution in the third act you have to hit that point where it's gonna where it's gonna work and then it doesn't right so they plant the virus but now they're trapped so even if they launch the the nuke or whatever it is, they're going to die instead of being able to get out. So you've hit like this basement floor before you come back up again. I mean, it's like, I don't know, it's like a symphony and stuff's rising and falling exactly as it should. And it just feels right. Yeah. And nothing ever, nothing ever strays too far away from believability in that. Like, okay, yeah, we've retrofit this UFO <laughs> and you know, that hasn't flown in 50 years and they fly it out into space for two people who have never piloted before that we retrofit it. We put, um, a nuke warhead on it. Yeah. Okay. It makes sense. If it's gonna, something's going to go awry, you know, it's gonna, the the ship's going to get stuck, but they have no idea what to expect when they get up there. And that is just highlighted infinitely by watching resurgence, which just piles on top, on top, on top. And it just gets more ridiculous ridiculous and more ridiculous every time x fails y is just more ridiculous and less believable and it just it 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 just like you said it it is this perfect crescendo it builds on a on itself in a believable way rather than just becoming pure nuts fantasy yeah and kind of what we're going to talk about next is the acting but it also Mm -hmm. but that's part of it too and in terms of the story independence day everyone feels in their right place you've got presidents generals you know like politicians and and military leaders and fighter pilots and big brain mit folks who are working for two full days to try to find a way and and by the skin of their teeth you know what i mean they just happen to get it yeah. and then resurgence is their children and a bunch yeah. of other children it's literally called the international legacy squadron of the kids of people who were involved in the first fight and 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 they do this but they also talk about how there hasn't been a battle for 20 years so why are these kids so drawn to being fighters right. if there's no one to like there's just there's a whole lot of stuff that it just feels thrown together and it's not it's just not the quality that this one is yeah. and so again using resurgence to kind of show why independence day is so good <laughs> it's yeah. so good um yeah. okay so the acting 
the truth is it's not very good. We talked a little bit about Randy Quaid. He tends in this movie to be a character you kind of suffer. Um, mm-hmm. And he has his highlights and he has his moments. But he's not necessarily someone you really root for, except at the very end, which kind of, I don't know. The whole time he's just annoying. And then all of a sudden for him to, for me to have to internally shift gears from like, ugh, he's back on screen again, to then be yeah. like, yay, you're going to sacrifice yourself for everyone. It makes sense. I get it. But there's just no, I'm like, fine. If someone has to die, I'm glad it's him. <laughs> you yeah. Know what I, I mean? mean, he's no great loss to humanity. And his um, kids have been raising themselves for years. The oldest son is obviously the caretaker. So there's yeah. no big downfall to, to Randy Quaid dying. People will get their crops dusted Sorry, by the another, actor so. or, or the the character not randy russell, Quaid, the, right. russell, K- russell, russell case, case yeah uh the, so the the farmers will get their fields dusted by another competent drunk man it's, they'll probably you know. be happy to have that <laughs> right. um you know will smith again you know he's kind of plagued with trademark cheesy one-liners but he's also a force in this movie and, and it's and it's no wonder that this movie catapulted him to stardom he's amazing there are little moments right the the scene where he wakes up and what he feels that rattling of the ship coming in through the atmosphere and thinks it's an earthquake <laughs> and just sort of wakes up going about his day he goes out to get the paper and just like looking just side-eyed back and forth at his neighbors like packing up to leave right and then when he looks up it's just those moments his face when he sees that i mean i felt like he was legit looking at an alien ship yeah and so you know there's just and then jeff goldblum is he's perfection in this i mean Mm -hmm. he's just perfection bill pullman is bill pullman and he just manages to show up for like one day of work when he delivers the most epic monologue of cinema history the yep. uh today's independence day speech yep and you know so again with the acting it's terrible and amazing each person is bad and good and it's then when i realize that what makes this movie different than just your classic nostalgia feature is that it is both terrible and amazing at the exact same time it's just this perfect example has something can be poorly written in terms of dialogue and cheap explanation for things and and whatnot and then also perfectly written you know the timeline makes sense you know there's this innate sense of urgency and tension at the fact that you start this movie on july 2nd and you have 48 hours you know to culminate everything and i was even sort of fact checking things there's a few things that are a little hit or miss you know in terms of how quickly you can get from you know new york to dc so on and so forth (laughs) but it all does kind of make sense you know and i don't know it's it's really it's really well done you know what i what is also always kind of struck me about this movie too is that emmerich has to be plugged in to the ufo community to write this movie Mm. there is enough nods to conspiracy theory to alien theory that enough of it's rooted in you know if you were to watch an episode of ancient aliens or something you know on the history channel or something there's a lot of this that's rooted in these discussions and even the way some of the characters are written you know you look at dr oaken in area 51 this guy is 
a nut job, but he's the kind of guy that I'd expect to be, you know, sequestered at some like top secret base that doesn't exist. Sort of a hippie, sort of a, you know, a, the burnout. Um, but, you know, even just the references to Roswell in the 50s and then Area 51 and that whole plausible deniability sequence where, like, they obviously never tell the president about these alien programs in Area 51. It's only certain people in the government know about it. And um, it, that that's all very much within the UFO and conspiracy community. So there's enough there that as somebody who grew up with a morbid fascination of aliens, it was like. Yeah, totally. This is exactly how this works. Again, like I said before, this is exactly how this would go down because this all feels very much sourced from quote unquote truth, right? Well, and I think that's a really good point to call out. And it feels like Roland Emmerich is maybe the perfect person, right? He has a background in this and and if yeah. not necessarily alien, but certainly sci-fi. So starting mm-hmm. with Universal Soldier, but he did Stargate. Right. You know, 2012 and stuff. So he gives you the, uh, you know, day after tomorrow, he gives you the disaster movie background. And now those came after this. Right. But it kind of shows where his interests lie, because those are clearly the projects that he keeps choosing to work on. Um, And so there's obviously a fascination and an understanding and and in at least in Independence Day, a desire to want to do justice. And that's further emphasized in the sense that the concept, the idea of an alien movie, any sci-fi movie is inherently a bit outlandish, right? You have to, I'm not talking about whether aliens exist or or whatever. All I'm saying is, is in terms of your day-to-day experience with the world, you need to suspend a little bit of reality to open up your mind to the possibility of something else. Now, what he does in this movie is he takes this outlandish idea and he really tries to firmly root it in something that we can understand and make it relatable and make it realistic. Again, there's no, like we talk a little bit about zombie movies. One of some of my favorite ones are where there's no rhyme or reason. If you try to lose yourself in the weeds of the why, you are asking for trouble because sure. because now you're if you give too much information it's too easy to find the reasons why that would never happen sure. but if it's just by chance I, I think we talked in a previous episode about uh someone uh, ryan had asked us to rate underrated horror movies we talked about mm-hmm. the strangers again no rhyme or reason they were just home that day no rhyme or reason this was just the next planet and there's yep. a beauty to that Robert Loja plays the Marine Corps general, the like the head chief of staff or whatever, or not chief of staff, but the joint chief um, of the armed forces. And there's a story where writer-producer Dean Devlin had apparently suggested that Robert Loja watch the movie Airplane for inspiration for this, meaning to recommend the movie Airport, which was a large ensemble disaster movie from 1970. Loja hadn't seen either one of them, so he he took the advice and he watched Airplane and became instantly enraged and believed that he'd been duped and brought in for a spoof movie and refused to leave his trailer or work or anything, and they had to go and say, this was a mistake, we're doing this very seriously. Now, that may seem like diva-ish or whatever the situation is, but it really isn't. And if anything, that story speaks to the way that the actors and everyone involved in this project really felt. This was a serious take on perhaps a seemingly ridiculous concept. 
This is uh, one of those, you know, what if this really happened? And this resonates throughout the film, right? And it cuts through the cheese and the one-liners and the Dennis Quaid's or the Randy Quaid's or, you know, and, and it's exactly why Pullman's final speech stays with us for 25 years later, you know? Like, when you're watching this movie, you're almost not watching actors. You're watching real experts and, and you know, devoted servicemen and women and, and all these people who are facing this world-ending disaster. That comes through in a shockingly yeah. good way. Yeah, and if and if I track back to what I said earlier in terms of like, you know, Revolutionary War and, you know, Independence Day, that's exactly what the American forces did in the Revolutionary War. There was no way that they were going to go toe to toe and and trade blows with the British soldiers and come out on top. They had to devise a new way of fighting, you know, like you know, the Patriot again is a it, it's you know an embellished story. It's 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 fiction, but that idea of like this guerrilla warfare type stuff. We were never going to go toe to toe in a field with British soldiers. That just was not going to happen. Right, and that's the way this is too. We're not going to go toe to toe with the aliens. So you had to put our minds together, and everybody everybody was going to have a hand in this. You know, from a drunk pilot to you know an MIT grad who was fixing cable boxes. It's just it, no nobody is no idea is too small, right? right? And I've heard that quite a bit throughout our current situation. We're still in dealing with quarantine and you know coronavirus flare-ups and um, I've heard from a lot of leaders in my life, you know, no idea is too small at this point to, you know, whether that's to make money or to invent some kind of programming or whatever at your office right now. Um, yeah, every piece of information can be vital in a situation like that. And and you're right. This is much more about the thought. And again, it's about the technology. It's not about the aliens themselves. We could beat the aliens toe to toe, but not when it comes to their technology. It's, we had to put our, our brains together for this, right? See, and that's so interesting, right? So all of this that we're talking about is in stark contrast to the abomination that is Independence Day resurgence. And, God, and yeah. we're not going to dive into the details of it. Just please take our word for it. It is not good. I mean, nope. if you want to watch it just for comparison's sake or whatever, absolutely feel free. I watched it, so who am I to judge? But, you know, Independence Day Resurgence is a completely different movie. It is a YA novel, like a young adult novel movie. It is, you know, it's like, I don't know, Hunger Games, but awful, meets like the Divergent series, meets, like it very much feels like those movies where it's young kids who now are kind of taking the reins and and trying to do things that you would fully expect grown adults to be be doing. And in fact, the people who come back from the original play the smallest possible roles in this movie. Like almost to the point where you, you don't need them. Right, you don't need Judd Hirsch. You almost don't need Jeff Goldblum. You definitely don't need Judd Hirsch. No, a hundred percent, you don't. All he does, Judd Hirsch, literally, he drives a boat. He finds some kids, picks them up, drives them in a car, finds some other kids in a bus, drives them to where this queen alien has come to Earth, so that they can watch. Yeah, and then the movie ends. They don't contribute an idea. They don't help anyone escape anything. It's ridiculous. 
it unfortunately felt like he was still alive, so we're going to put him in this movie. Um, but right, he's right. not the same character. In fact, my wife was like, oh, he survived another 20 years? Like, he just seemed so old and frail in 1996 movie that the fact that he was still alive, yet Robert Loja's character who was CGI'd into Resurgence is like a hundred year old man. And right. he was, you know, a, an active duty military man in 1996. So it, right. it, there's just some of those pieces there that just don't add up. And then other people are pulled in for no reason. I mean, did you really need Bill Pullman in this movie? I, you know what? He's the one who bothered me the least. And if anything, yeah. he's better in this one than he is in Independence Day. Now he doesn't give you a speech. I mean, he does. And it's awful. But it's a perfect example, though. So, okay, real, really quick rundown. The aliens, kind of Ender's Game style, there's like a queen out in space, gets word that, you know, there's like a distress call from one of her ships on Earth. So she brings the mother of motherships to Earth to to get revenge. And so uh, Bill Pullman, because of his sort of contact with them the first time, has along with pretty much anybody who was in contact with them. So Brent, uh, Brent uh, Spiner is back and he was 100% dead in Independence Day. 100%. Apparently it was a coma just so that we can bring him back too. And, you know, so they, they're getting these visions of the aliens coming back. And, and what turns out to be another alien race that is actually trying to help humans to fight That's not even the original aliens right. anymore. They're just a thought form. Exactly. Okay, so Bill Pullman is a much better example, actually, in the second one, of a sacrificial lamb that Randy Quaid fails to be in the first one. Yeah, because I just sure. don't care. But I'm more yeah. invested in him. So when yeah. he sacrifices himself to blow up the new mothership thing, that feels more. I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that being said, you know who we don't need? Not only Judd Hirsch, but we don't need Jeff Goldblum. If you really think about it, one of the first things I wrote, Liam Hemsworth plays essentially your main character, along with Jesse Usher, who plays the new Dylan. Yeah. And, and, so, and there's a history between them, and we're not going to get into all that. But, you know, whatever, they hate each other. There's a scene where the nice aliens show up on the moon, and the new president, Seal Award, blasted out. And it's here to help us. And then the bad aliens show up right on the heels. And so they need to, they want to search the wreckage to bring back whatever was there from the good aliens. Because now suddenly we know that it's to help us. Again, well, and, whatever. Yeah, Jeff Goldblum is the head of Area 51. Now Area 51 is no longer, you know, fringe science. It's in vogue. Everybody knows about it. And you know, he goes rogue himself as the head of this agency, and he he's convinced that these aliens are good. So he goes to collect this rubbish, though, on his own with a stolen ship. No, but that's exactly it, right? So he's on Earth, like, I don't know, brokering some kind of deal with this African warlord. And, <laughs> and, and so when he sees that we've shot down this good alien, he wants to go to space and examine the wreckage. So Liam Hemsworth, like breaks every law, every everything. He, he's not allowed to fly, steals a tugger and comes down to earth and and picks him up to fly him up to the moon to get the wreckage to bring it back to earth. Keep in mind, Liam Hemsworth was already on the moon. 
right? <laughs> so like, couldn't anybody else, somebody else, just be like, we really need what's in that wreckage, and he go get it? The, my one of my first notes was, what is the relationship between Liam Hemsworth, Jake, and <sighs> Jeff Goldblum's character? That he would risk his career, his freedom, because you're going to be court-martialed in prison, whatever your situation is, and then, you know, to, to get him, to bring him to the moon and back, like, you don't, if you really think about it, you don't need Jeff Goldblum in this movie. No. And, and, and that's just the point. So it's like, it's just this, it's a totally different situation. It's a totally different feel. And it's, uh, again, it's, it has, this, it's, a young it's a young adult novel. You said... African warlords. Like, I did, yeah. yeah. Well, but you need them because they're the ones that tell you that you kill the aliens from behind, so that's how you kill the queen at the end. If you listen to nothing else that we say, just listen about this movie. Listen to that last soliloquy from Frank and the the utter ridiculousness that was in just the setup to the beginning of this movie, that there are African warlords that have been fighting aliens on the ground for 10 years post-Independence Day. Oh, but 10 seconds earlier in the movie, you told me that the aliens up until this moment, when the Queen arrives, have been catatonic. Yeah. So that must have been a really one-sided fight, Tim, when you're just going up stabbing aliens in the back who are just literally standing still. So so just, again, we can't emphasize this enough. If you just look at these Oh, I'm sorry, Tim, but you've also (laughs) harnessed alien tech to advance 2016 into, like, this hyper-future, realistic, you know, whatever society. And, oh, by the way, there's no states or countries or anything anymore. It's just one planet. But the United States is in charge of everything. Of course. And then, right. And so, but on top of all that, we're flying through the air in 2016. We have alien weapons. But then you also take a moment to say that the alien technology didn't turn on until the queen came to Earth. So, how did you harvest this tech, Tim, when nothing has worked? You had an alien ship in Independence Day for over 30 something years. You didn't harvest a single thing. We weren't blasting aliens out of the sky. Suddenly, we have defense bases on Saturn. When yeah. nothing turned on for 20 that, years, it yeah. is infuriating. And don't even get me started on the International Legacy Squadron, Tim. The International <laughs> Legacy Squadron, led by Hiller's son, Dylan, who, by the way, how, <laughs> there's an interview with Roland Emmerich where he says, we pay such tribute to Will Smith in this movie and we really do oh. it right. Tim, there's a picture of him in the White House and then like a throwaway line where someone's like, isn't it crazy that your dad died testing plate or testing a flight? And he's just like, yeah, that sucked hard. What? That's that's how you paid this amazing yeah, tribute this, to Will Smith. This man piloted alien technology, you know, to a mothership with a nuke. He fought an alien. Uh, he punched an alien out in the middle of the desert, then dragged its stinky ass back to Area Fifty One. Yep, and yep. he died test flying uh, plane. Okay. Oh, oh, they did tell us that they named a hangar after him. That that's what the scene was. Maybe that's yeah. the tribute. It, does it feel weird flying out of a hangar named after your father who died testing a flight? And you're just kind of like, who would ask that? Right? <laughs> like, he does he even know the hangar? Whatever. Okay. Now, 
All that being said, I think I think we've made the point that Resurgence is a YA piece of trash. And don't get me twisted, Tim. I like Twilight. So for me to say this is a real problem. I'm going to say something, and Frank will totally understand what I mean when I say this. But I think this movie, Resurgence, is going to go in my category with Toy Story 4, where Ooh. it just doesn't exist. It- he just blanks it from his memories. <laughs> this movie does not exist. Um. Okay, but all of this being said, I could see, and, and hear me out, I could see <laughs> if I was that same 12-year-old little Puerto Rican boy with his nickels in his pocket to go see Independence Day. <laughs> I was gay one like that, but I was Puerto Rican and 12. So if I was that same little 12 year old boy and I went to go see this movie in the theaters, I very well may have loved it. I might have loved Resurgence if I had seen it as a child, but here's the difference. If I watch it as an adult 20 years later, I guarantee or more than that. How could it be 20 years? If I was 12, I'm 36. It doesn't matter. The point is, if I watch it as a 36 year old man, I hate this movie. And if I like it, it is only because the nostalgia effect kicks in and it triggers that that guilty pleasure thing of man. When I was a kid, I loved this movie. It is awful now. Please don't tell anyone I'm watching it. And keep in mind, Tim, I've told people that I've watched Twilight and that I liked it. So it is, you know, so that is a perfect example of a movie where you loved it as a kid. You see it as an adult. It sucks balls. But maybe it it gets filed away in that guilty pleasure section. That is not what happens with Independence Day for all the reasons we said, right? Independence Day, I, I mean, I think it's clear the difference um independence day did for sci-fi in 1996 what nolan's dark knight trilogy has done for batman right it took this make-believe concept and it rooted it in the real world with a cast of characters fully invested in the effort this movie feels Mm -hmm. relatable it dare i say feels believable the characters feel like real people there there's a there's a part where i'm just like man i don't really like uh henry harry connick jr in this and this was like i feel like i know people like that so yeah, he doesn't sure. bother me, you know, and, right. and you've spoken to that in other movies where these characters feel like people that maybe, you know, or have met or whatever. That is why, despite not being very good, Independence Day is an awesome movie that will not go quietly into the night. It <laughs> will not vanish without a fight. Tim, it's going to live on and it's going to survive. <laughs> I I love it. I love it. I would absolutely recommend Independence Day at any point, at any time, to anyone, especially this weekend for the 4th of July. Sit back and buckle in for the ride of your life. I absolutely recommend it. I I give Independence Day a six and a half out of ten which maybe sounds low, but it isn't. It's, it is what it says it is. It's a great yeah. action movie that delivers in every way. Um, Resurgence, oh dear God. Um, I would not recommend Resurgence if you're over the nope. age of 14, and even mm-hmm. then with extreme hesitation. I, I give that a two out of 10. Uh, yeah. I don't know. What about you, Tim? Oh, uh, God. Uh, <laughs> I mean, definitely. I, I, 
watch Independence Day. I watch it all the time. Like I said before, everyone listening TV, to this does. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, if it's on, I watch it no matter what part it's at. Um, it, it's just, it exists perfectly in the world that it exists in. Uh, I mean, it, it was a perfect movie for 96. Again, it's believable. It's rooted in all of that. Um, you know, the aliens are believable, especially if we look back at, you know, Cowboys versus Aliens and how crazy the aliens in that movie were and, and the technology in that versus this. And it just it felt so real. And, you know, everything being done with practical effects just it just hardens that, you know, I think back to uh, the Phantom Menace and the Star Wars prequels and how awful those look now. And none of that looks good. And just everyone acting in front of a green screen and everything is real in this movie. And, and like we said, being rooted in real concepts and, you know, whether it's thumbing nose at conspiracy theorists or, or what it, it's, it's rooted in something. There's something there for you to grab onto. And it's like, right. that's totally what's in area 51. Or I can totally believe that the, the president doesn't know about all this. Like, it's just, it, it it's all works, you know, in theater world, we, we, we say, you know, suspension of disbelief. Cause in this movie works for that. Go watch it. Uh, seven out of 10. Uh, I'll go a half a point higher just because how much I love this movie. Uh, <sighs> resurgence doesn't exist i've never seen that movie i've never heard of it how can uh, i rate not. something that doesn't exist i don't understand yeah. Uh, yeah nope nope i don't i don't know what you were drinking over the weekend but i've never heard of that <laughs> I just, movie so. i just dreamed a whole crazy <laughs> dream a fever dream <laughs> resurgence resurgence is a covid19 dream that's exactly like, what it is <laughs> that's what that's one of the new CDC uh, symptoms. Are you having ridiculous dreams of 20 year later sequels? <laughs> You've clearly got it. Totally. All right, ladies and gentlemen. So that pretty much wraps up our episode on Independence Day with just a dash, a sprinkling, a slight tangent about this other thing that apparently I dreamt up. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to call it uh, Independence Day Resurgence. I feel like that's just, that kind of came to me, Tim. Um, yeah, sure. So, and, and I apologize, guys, for just, just going off the rails and just making up that nonsense. I hope you like this episode. I know it's a little bit different. This was pretty unique for us, and it's going to be a bit of a learning curve when we, this isn't going to be the last movie we run into where it is what it is. And, yeah. and I think that's great. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode. Our next episode is going going to be uh, a rewind episode so no need to do any homework uh, before that we're gonna just talk about some of the news of the weeks and you know the things that we're watching between now and then and all that kind of good stuff so you, you'll be able to just kind of tune in get some cool recommendations hear some interesting stuff hopefully and then get ready for two weeks from now our next deep dive episode now we're going to do something a little bit different. For those of you who have started following us on Instagram, first of all, thank you all so, so much. I know it doesn't sound like much, but we jumped from like 50 followers to like 105 followers in the past two weeks. We can't thank you guys enough for yeah. liking our page and checking out our content. Hopefully you're liking these episodes, subscribing to them and rating them wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate every single one of you, every single like, every single everything. It means so much to us. Thank you so much. So for those of you who are following us, you guys get to vote what we do next. So I'm going to give you guys two options. You vote A or B. I'm not going to tell you which movies they are yet. 
but you guys get to pick the next one that we do and then we'll post out um which one we're going to do and obviously we'll we'll mention it at the end of our rewind episode as well so that people have yeah. plenty of time to watch it before the episode drops yeah, you know i think great. yeah that sounds fun put it and, in the uh, hands of the people and uh, another fun thing just a reminder this episode's going to drop on uh, thursday the second don't forget that on friday july 3rd 2020 Hamilton is dropping on Disney Plus. Yes. So if you are traveling this weekend for the holiday, make sure you got your devices with you, your Roku's, your iPads, whatever. Watch Hamilton this weekend. Uh, I know I'm I'm bringing my Roku with me. My mom uh, has been wanting to see Hamilton. Never got hasn't yet gotten a seat in the theaters so i think we'll be plugged into that sometime uh this coming weekend so just a reminder you know frank's excited about it i'm excited to take another crack at hamilton so friday july 3rd 24 hours after this episode comes out that is a great reminder tim i'll be watching that at like 5 a.m for the first time and then several times after. All right, guys, as always, we just talked about it. Follow us on Instagram at pause reviews, subscribe and rate this podcast anywhere you get your podcast. If you need some links to follow, you can go to the website, pausedreviews.com and follow all the little buttons, linkies, all that kind of stuff that's up there. Uh, if you want to contact us, hit us up in the DMS, hit us up in comments or email us straight old school style <laughs> paused reviews at gmail.com. There's also a little form stuff on the website if you need that there's a thousand ways you can get us guys ask us questions things you want to know about things you want to hear about things you want to talk about episodes you want us to do movies you want us to watch shows you want us to watch all that good stuff hit us with whatever you got that's why we're here for you thank you all so much for listening liking sharing we appreciate it so much and until the next time as always I'm your boy, Frank. This is Tim. Have a great holiday. Yes, yes. And we'll see you guys on the next one. Bye.